Okay, this morning we're reading from 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. So there's a view of Bibles. Um, 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may hold, take hold of the life that is truly life. Good morning. It's a joy to be with you this morning to open up God's Word to you. Um, welcome if you're at home, whether you're watching from in uh, Barton or Bristol, wherever it may be. Uh, joy to have you here this morning. Uh, let me lead us in a prayer as we get going. Uh, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, uh, We live by faith not by sight. Uh, Father God, you know that so often we live by sight. We live by what we see, uh, by what makes sense to us. Uh, but Father, you've given us the most wonderful promises in your word, and you call us to trust them. And as we do that, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, wonderfully, you give us sight. You enable us to see that which we otherwise cannot see. And Father, this morning, how we need to see into the future, to see that which we can't see. So please be kind and generous and merciful to us. Uh, we ask in your Son's name and to your glory. Amen. Giving Sunday, getting generous, what a joke. I mean, haven't you seen it out there? Don't you know what's going on? The world's in meltdown. There's a global pandemic. Uh, the UK global economy shot to pieces. Even in well-heeled Cambridge, shops, businesses are closing. People are fearful for their jobs, anxious about the future and what it holds. So what are we doing? Giving Sunday, getting generous. Surely now is the time to step back, hunker down, look after number one. What would our leader say? Stay safe, protect your bank account. Hold on to what you've got. Weird thing he does with those fists, isn't it? Funny man. Of course, without Jesus, uh, that approach would make perfect sense. Battle through, you're on your own. But wonderfully, 
we have got Jesus. We've got his spirit, his word right here, open in front of us. And he had some pretty radical things to say on this subject. Sell everything and give to the poor. Give to the one who asks and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Jesus didn't just talk a good game, he lived it too. I doubt he ever owned a wallet, because as soon as he had any cash to put it in it, he would have given it to the first person in need. So although he had nothing material to give, he gave everything. He was the most giving person who has ever lived. Great lesson for us there. You don't need to have to give. And he was the richest person too, because he knew that true wealth was measured in relationship, closeness to his father. Uh, Paul describes it here in verse 19 as the life that is truly life. And I've loved that expression, that little phrase this week, as I've been looking at these uh, words. And what Paul, what Jesus both want for us is to know this same life, uh, to take hold of the life that is truly life. So last month on Vision Sunday, when David put before us a vision of generosity, my heart sang. Uh, inevitably, it's going to be at personal cost, being a selflessly giving people uh, in the midst of a global recession and hardship that that brings. But that's the kind of church that I want to uh, belong to because I'm convinced that's the kind of church my Lord died uh, to bring into being. So as we talk about getting generous this morning, I want to say relax. God doesn't want your money. But at the same time, I want to say hear the challenge and be excited uh, the great reformer, Martin Luther, said, God doesn't need our good deeds, but our neighbour does. And I guess the same thing can be said of our money. But God does want us, not so much for his sake, but for ours. As he holds out this life that is truly life, the life that we were all made for. And one of the ways he gets us one of the ways he gives, gives this life is through our money. As we depend on it less and learn to trust in God's abundant provision and goodness. As the sun opens the petals of a closed flower on a summer's day, uh, that is to be our giving story. Uh, we can live fearfully tight-fisted. I've got to provide for myself no one else is going to. But as we live in the light of the glorious uh, sun, S-O-N, he gently and patiently transforms us into living open-handed, uh, giving lives, just as Jesus himself lived. And I love the fact that God has great ambition for my life. Uh, he's not content to leave me as I am because I'm not, I know you're not, content with how I am. 
And if loosening my grip on my wallet is one of his agents of change, well, I'm delighted to play my part, be caught up in all of that. Uh, what we're going to do as we look at this passage is we're going to listen to the advice of a financial advisor. His name is Paul. And he's writing to his great friend Timothy, who's leading a church in Ephesus, uh, where all is not well. One of the reasons being unhealthy attitudes towards money. And it's as if Paul sets before us two banks uh, in these three verses, uh, with two investment strategies. I appreciate financial advisors come in all different guises. Uh, this one is on the uh, very reputable and trustworthy end of the spectrum. So at number 17 on the high street, uh, you've got the bank of this present world. And number 19, uh, the bank of the coming age, the bank of the world to come. And the question is, which one is going to get our money? And these banks give us our two headings. Uh, be warned of the dangers of investing in this world. Be excited about the joy and privilege of investing in the next. I wanted to say be warned and bewitched. And uh, while um, that's catchy and the sentiment is true, not quite appropriate for church. So uh, we left that one on the cutting room floor. Firstly then, uh, be warned of the dangers of investing in this world. Verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Well, we love to be clear where we stand, don't we? So am I rich or not? Does this apply to me or doesn't it? But the Bible seldom lets us off the hook that easily. And because of the lurch of our hearts tends towards having more, being rich, I take it that this speaks to all of us, whatever our bank balance. And the dangers are clear. Uh, arrogance and uncertainty. Arrogance first. Uh, we, we, we read in the Gospels of the rich young man who went to Jesus with a brilliant question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But he went away stunned because perhaps for the first time in his life, he found a door, the door to eternal life, which his money couldn't open because money does that for us doesn't it open doors opens doors it allows us the freedom to do what we want when we want and you don't need to be brash to be arrogant money is a privilege but it can also be a problem because it can play to our independence undermining the humility that it's that's essential for a relationship with God. And I guess selfishness and greed are all tied up in this. Uh, the lie that we've all been sold, that uh, if we have, then we'll be happy. So, am I arrogant? Am I selfish? Am I greedy? Well, I need to ask myself, am I banking in the bank of this present world? This present world? How much 
of my money am I spending on myself or my family? Uh, am I ignorant, uncaring towards the needs of my neighbour? And of course, uh, neighbour is not just the person uh, who lives next door. Uh, we don't like uh, the thought of being uh, arrogant, greedy, selfish, uh, is anathema, isn't it? But I think when it comes to fear, it's something that we can all relate to that much more easily. Because we all fear the future, don't we? Um, will I be okay? Will I have enough to get me through? A roof over my head, food on the table, uh, a holiday or two? So our response to that is to stockpile, be in kitchen cupboards or saving accounts or pension pots. Command those who are rich in this present world. So this isn't a financial advisor, it's a fi financial commander uh, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. This pandemic has been awful, but it's been brilliant for me because it has taught me that what Paul says here is true. I remember uh, standing in the Tesco's in Milton sometime in March, April, and just looking around open-mouthed at what I saw, aisle after aisle after aisle, shelves completely empty, as if the locusts had been through. I'd seen it on TV, places like Zimbabwe, never imagined in a million years I'd see it uh, here in Cambridge. A holiday cottage we booked for Easter, cancelled. But we couldn't find a holiday in the summer for love nor money. I could have had millions in the bank and it would have all been utterly useless. My wealth, our wealth, so uncertain. I love the story of the vicar who took the uh, funeral of a wealthy widow at the end of the service. One of the family uh, in the know came up and asked if he knew how much she'd left. A wry smile came across the vicar's face. Oh yes, yes I do. She left everything. As they say, there are no pockets in shrouds. The bank of this present world is very shiny, very tempting. It whispers the language of the city like futures and securities. But it flatters to deceive. It may look the best bet now, but long term, you lose everything. So if the first bit of financial advice is to warn us of the folly of investing in this world, the second is to be excited about the joy and privilege of investing in the next. So put bluntly, the default of the human heart is greed and fear. So when it comes to my time, my money, it's me, myself, I. I've earned this. I'll miss out if I have less of it. So it takes a pretty big step to start using words like excited and joy and privilege about giving it away, living and giving generously. I reckon it's taken me about 40 years of following Jesus uh, to begin to learn this, as his spirit slowly teaches me that those things I need in my life uh, to bring fulfilment and satisfaction. All that stuff that when you get to the age of 50, you find that, 
you've got to, you just start giving away because you've got so much stuff. Well, often, it just, what it's doing, it's keeping me from closeness to my heavenly Father. So bit by bit, as we let it go, uh, so we take hold of this life that is truly life. If you're new to the Christian life or looking in, uh, don't be surprised if you find this teaching difficult because it is utterly countercultural. Paul says here two simple things uh, be joyful and be generous. Joyful and generous. What did Jesus say? It is better to give than to receive. Sounds nut to a, nuts to a child, but you get a few miles on the clock and we see he's right. We all know the joy of giving a present that hits the mark. It's a joy to give. And if that's our experience, it's only because it's first God's. Verse 17 again. Command those uh, who are rich in this present world to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. This is God's world, and everything we have, even life itself, everything, homes, holidays, hobbies, comes from his hand and is to be enjoyed without guilt. We're to be thankful for the wonderful gifts that God gives. And if we're tempted to look at those who have more and feel jealous, then we need to remember that every gift comes with responsibility. For all of us, the question is, uh, will I use whatever I receive from his hand, be that lots or little, uh, to serve myself or to serve others? What did Jesus say? To those to whom much has been given, much will be expected. So be joyful and be generous, verse 18. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. I was talking to a friend about these verses early in the week, and his lovely, honest response was to hedge his bets. I don't know. Um, we can't see the coming age, we can see the present, so I'll tell you what, I'll tithe 10% there and 90% there. Well, that's a start, but I think Paul's advice, Jesus' advice, is to go all in, because they want us to know and enjoy the, this life that is truly life. And I don't think it's overstating to say that what we do with our money can make or break us spiritually. God is working on our character. He's making us like his son. And one of the agents for change is our bank accounts. Remember the story. Jesus saw, remember the story. Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a poor widow putting in a couple of pennies. Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these gave out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. Poor widow, scraping by, 
Sounds nuts, doesn't it? But she was living the good life. She was living, she knew that life that is truly life, close to her heavenly father, because she trusted him to provide for all her needs. And she teaches us that the measure of true generosity is not how much we give, but how little we keep. The measure of true generosity is not how much we give, but how little we keep. So getting generous, what a vision, wonderful vision for us. Will you hear the challenge, get excited and join in? I guess, I hope, uh, much more will be said on this over the coming months as we seek to keep this vision before us. Uh, but let me finish with a couple of quick points that have been on my mind as I've been thinking about these verses this week. First, something to ponder. Are we too private uh, with our personal finances? That's okay, uh, understandable, um, if we think the money's ours. But as we've been reminded this morning, it's not, it's his. I'm not suggesting we stick a summary of what we've got on Google Share for everybody to uh, look in. Uh, that would be odd. But I know uh, some who have a mutual agreement with a trusted friend to look over their shoulder from time to time for a health check on what they're doing with their finances. Are they taking Paul's financial advice, uh, banking with the right bank? I think that could serve us well as a church, uh, not only a helpful check with that tendency towards selfishness and greed, but really loving towards those who may be struggling or suffering in silence. And parents, uh, help your children today to start learning the joy of giving, if you haven't started already. Uh, we had friends in the past who, in giving their young children pocket money, got them to divide it into three pots. There was one for tax, one for giving, and uh, one to spend how they chose. Joy and I were never quite sure about the one for tax, um, each to their own. But they were doing a great job encouraging their children's giving from a very early age. So there's our financial advice for Giving Sunday. Two banks. At face value, uh, bank with uh, this present world and you'll gain the coming age and you'll lose. But no. Truth is, the bank of the coming age is the bank that never stops giving. Jesus is the bank manager. Paul on the staff. Bank there and you will lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let me lead us in a prayer. Father God, we will only believe this if your Holy Spirit um, shows it to be true. 
So, Father, please send your Spirit on us as individuals and on us as a church. And give us the joy of moving closer to you as we let go of all those things that we put uh, before you. And we pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.